Georgi Dinkov, uh, Generative Energy 101. We were just talking <laughs> about the follies of putting your health in somebody else's hands and how deleterious that was. But the hardest thing on the on planet Earth is trying to figure it out for yourself. So what? That's right. What What do you do in that situation? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are basically saying, "Look, this is so complex. I'm gonna mess it up, right?" Uh, I want somebody else to take responsibility for these actions. <laughs> and I think that's probably what pe most people pay the doctor to actually do, to kind of like absolve them of responsibility of life and death decisions. You know, they can always defer to, uh, hey, look, that's what the doctor said. I, who, am I, who am I here to argue with? You know, I don't know, knowledge and medicine and whatnot. Unfortunately, more often than not, a lot of these doctors are basically uh, either just, you know, running their clinic and they just want to make a buck and then go home to their families like most other people do. They're not that interested in what they're doing. It's just, just a job, right? Um, and then other times, these people may be on farm, big farmers' payroll. Um, I don't know if you've seen that that big database that uh, ProPublica, the website has, yeah. of all the doctors that are, being, that are receiving money from big pharma. Yeah. I mean, I've looked several of the doctors that I've seen long time ago because I haven't been to the doctor in like probably a decade. Actually, eight years coming up now. Um, and then every single doctor that I saw later when I found out about this database uh, turned out to be receiving money from Big Pharma, actually more than one Big Pharma company. So, uh, so yeah, so either just doing the, going through the routine, going by the book, right, or pushing drugs that Big Pharma wants this person to push, uh, or sometimes going to really experimental stuff, you know, just because that's that's the fat of the day. Uh, like, I think intravenous glutathione is the rage right now. That's what I'm hearing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I, there, I don't know if you saw some people on the forum are also like interested in uh, raising glutathione with uh, glycine and NAC. I was just reading about on the forum my egregious stutter, and so that's the only thing that I've been noticing. Yeah, you gotta care. <laughs> you see, we're being watched all the time. Everything's being studied. <laughs> the slightest mistake you make in the position is out there. Yeah, Ray's coming, whole coming the for you. theory is completely wrong because I've developed a stutter apparently. <laughs> and nobody, nobody thought of the obvious. Danny, in the presence of two young, attractive women, maybe you know, <laughs> started to stutter. Why? Why isn't that that the explanation, or at least one of them? But it's always like something related to him. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm probably going to do it more just because I'm thinking about it. But I, I honestly think I was just uh, somebody nailed it in that thread. I was like overstimulated. But to be honest with you, this I've been telling people this basically all week there's like a hundred things i don't like about myself and that has never even made the list like i could care less and that doesn't even bother me with like listening back to a recording of myself so if that has developed i'll take it you know because there there are times in my life where recordings where i absolutely did not stutter whatsoever but i know how i felt during those times you know so it's the girl factor, man. I'm telling you, I've never heard you stutter before. <laughs> yeah, I, but also, I was really excited for to talk to them about chickens. So oh, okay. It, it could be. So how is their how is their thing going? Last time I talked to them, they were just about to get a hundred chickens or something. No, they have like, like a, a, they have a thousand chickens. Right, they were yeah. getting an additional, like oh, basically, like it, I think the it. total number is a thousand. They got were waiting it. on a supply or shipment or whatever. Got it. Of of more. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it was really fun to talk to them because one of the main things I was going to ask them was, when a chicken gets sick and then rapidly declines, like what would you do? And I think Ashley was like, Danny, sometimes it's just too late and you can't save them. And I'm not really willing to accept that per se. You know, I always think there's something to do, but um, since I'm. Oh, this is coming up on almost a year of having them. The 
I mean, we talked about it last time, but the heat stress is like the new thing. So this was probably one of the hottest days of the year today. And uh, I kind of put the aspirin on the sidelines, but was so desperate, brought it back out and gave them like four grams in their water. And it's it's too early to to tell, but they seem to be panting less. And so it seemed like it was working. What did you put in the water? About four grams of aspirin in the, in of like aspirin, the, okay. the gallon yeah, yes. of water. Of that study that showed that basically that, that prevents the uh, heat-induced um, hyperventilation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, okay. and then was giving them your vitamin K in their food and uh, give them a few uh, thousand IU of vitamin D as well. And um, just... The, the getting the source of fruit and like keeping up with their food and stuff like people that feed them grains you can feed them in the morning and then not not think about it again you know like i'm doing everything the absolute hardest way of feeding them like fruit and milk and stuff and multiple feedings and so i'm uh, just teetering the line of nervous breakdown at all why can't you today. have them like be free roaming and then you feed them like a couple of times a week with really nutritious stuff like chopped liver with butter and gelatin and, and, and calcium. And that's like once or twice a week. And then the rest, they basically like scavenge. So that's coming. Like I have a little right. mini chicken coop that and probably in three or four months, I'll, I'll have a center area on the property with a new fence around it. And that'll be a gigantic chicken coop. But um, I mean, they'll clean through food really quickly. Like if you put out m- multiple kilos of liver, they would chew through it. They wouldn't just leave it there. So, right, but I'm saying like the the idea of the chicken, or at least of the war, war warlord chickens, is that <laughs> these things are supposed to mostly like fend off for themselves, like oh, yeah. find their food, and you give them like a booster, so so to speak, once or twice a week. Yeah, like the things that like like the fat soluble vitamins. I would actually try giving them vitamin E too. I think there's some good studies about that too. So like A, D, E, and K, right, once a week. Um, and then basically like, I guess the aspirin, you can probably, you know, have to do like more than once a week, but like the, the polycosinol <laughs> going back to that, stuff like that. You can give them a booster once a week and it should be enough, right? The livers just like, just like with humans, it should be once a week or even once every two weeks. Yeah. The, the big thing is space and in keeping them safe. Okay. And so that's yeah. like the biggest rate limiter for all. Why safe? What's going to attack them? Well, one, my dumbass dogs would probably kill them, so that's uh, not the best thing. Are you serious? And the dogs would attack them? Probably. Like, I have no confidence that they would not attack them. They're, uh, I didn't put the most effort in the world training them. <laughs> like, they're kind of, they kind of, the, the biggest thing that I've done is one would jump up on people and uh, it actually hurt somebody I knew. Like, it jumped up and the pot, the, um, nails scratch somebody and cause them to bleed and i was like man wow. that can't that can't can't happen again but um anyways yeah. if you have a rooster the rooster will take care of the dogs like the rooster will, will beat the crap out of both of them uh, peck the shit out of them scratch you know he's got these like things on the side yeah, i don't know yeah, what they're the called ta- the talents yeah yeah, really yeah the talents yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you want you, you can you can you buy these things because you're in mexico you know what they do with those <laughs> i know with those I roosters know what they do. you can go to a local market and probably find these these things that look like swords yeah and you attach them to the talons and i i guarantee you the dogs are not gonna go there yeah, again so they kill my dog that's <laughs> no, it's not gonna kill him but it will slice them a few times and then yeah, <laughs> i think they'll learn the lesson that's really what i want <laughs> um Hey, yeah. man, harsh environment. This is about survival. <laughs> That's why you went there. Not to replicate some kind of a peaceful lifestyle in the middle of the wilderness. It's, uh, yeah, it just re- would require a little bit more fencing, which, um, anyways, the, it's, it's, it constant learning. You know, I didn't 
I think I've said this a thousand times, but I think they'd be so hard and they're, they're really that hard. So, um, uh, there's something I do need to say is anybody that's been following my tree adventure, that has been a complete total failure. So I stopped doing that. And that, that from May of last year to May of this year, it's been an utter failure and ants won out and nature beat me and I beat my will, <laughs> will to grow trees. What kind of trees? Like orchards? Yeah, it was like a tan I had like about 20 trees, tangerine, orange, guava. And uh, the ants, did I not tell this last time? I have like, uh, sometimes I forget what I've been saying to people on calls and on this podcast. But like the ants were going up the tree stems to cut off all the leaves. And so mm -hmm. I put goopy stuff, organic goopy stuff on the bottom that would, they would stick to. And they cut down leaves and put it on the organic goopy stuff so they could walk, walk over, up. right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. Once I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm defeated. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about this anymore. And so, I mean, all basically, except for three, all 20 of the trees are dead. And it's like a major blow to my effort here. But um, let me tell you, like, why you truly were defeated because I, I saw like an, an extra step beyond that. Oh. Some people will basically like paint, um, the basically the 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 bark of of the tree for about a foot right around it they'll they'll they'll, they'll cover it with uh, calcium um, hydroxide yeah uh and basically uh and, it, and it's a significantly large area so basically the ants can't really like cover it all so i've seen ants when when, when this is done and they cannot really crawl on the bark and crawl up the tree they would go and basically latch onto these things that look like little puffs that basically flow in, float in the wind. What are they called? Like it's coming, it's like dandelion. Have you seen how dandelion turns from like the bright yellow flower into this puffy thing that basically spreads its seeds with? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Ants will ha latch onto that and use it as a freaking shuttle to like fly <laughs> and get on the tree. But in my case, at least in Bulgaria, they don't do it for the leaves. They do it for the ripe fruit. Oh. Um so yeah, so if the tree has anything that the ants want, they will find a way to get there. Um, I mean, it's, I've seen them latch onto like spider webs. I don't remember that article that the spiders fly because of the difference in electricity. That every every meter or every three feet of distance between the surface uh, of the earth and like an, an altitude has a has a difference in potential of a hundred volts. So basically, the spider web it's so it's so light and also negatively charged that basically it's it you know it the the spider latching onto the web flies because it's being repelled from the you know from from the from the surface of the of the earth not so much because of wind the wind carries it but the actual flying of the spider is done almost automatically it's oh. basically floating it's lev it's levitating and it's being pushed away. Because the basically the 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 the, the potential increases with, with with distance from the surface, and I've seen ants climb on that spider web. I don't know for what reason, but I saw them uh, latching onto the puffy thing to get to the tree. I've seen them latch onto the spider web and fly away. I didn't see them going to the tree, but I'm assuming they're latching onto the spider web for a good reason. I don't know if they're if they're relocating or that that's that's the way of like long distance exploration. But uh, I've seen them do that as well. So they can you know they know their surroundings and they know how to survive and thrive there. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I don't know if we've ever talked about that or or if we did, I forgot about it. But the um, calcium hydroxide trees do have that here. But um, a buddy of mine has that, and ants just go up his trees like immediately. So I didn't even. 
think about putting that on there. Well, it dries up. So so actually, you have to periodically redo it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think now they came up with like with a version that that it's very slowly drying out. Mm-hmm. And then basically like, because it, it acts like a very strong base. So it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like a sodium hydroxide. If you mm-hmm. dip your finger into sodium hydroxide, it'll turn the tip of your finger into soap almost yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. It'll dissolve it. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole idea. I mean, same idea. So the, now, of course, you don't want to do, you don't want to put sodium hydroxide because it's going to destroy the tree because it's living tissue, right? But something s- weaker, but still strong enough to kill small organisms. So calcium hydroxide is what they typically use. But the problem is it quickly dries out and gets deactivated mm. um, and into calcium carbonate, right? And then basically that doesn't have, you know, nearly the same, uh, you know, the same uh, uh, effect. Now, what you could do, try to do, is get methylene blue <laughs> so water solution, Add some vitamin C so it becomes decolorized. I don't know if it matters, but actually you can try it with a color one too. And just spray the bark around it and see and see what happens. Uh, when there's sunlight, that methylene blue basically gets activated, and I think it can actually generate enough electric potential to zap the ant and kill it. Oh, well. Well, we'll see. I'll have to rally hard to want to do. I mean, that was so much effort, and for them to all die, it was a major blow. But I mean, I'm, I haven't completely given up. I, I think I will grow trees in the future. But um, for now, the chickens, I think, is going to take precedent. But um, what's going on in your neck of the woods? How is Washington, D.C.? Uh, about the same. Crime is still going up every year since the pandemic is, keeps increasing. So now they're, uh, they, the chief of police resigned, uh, found himself a cushy job. And they, I think they have a recording of him saying that this mess is unsolvable. <laughs> so he doesn't want any anything to do with it. So he, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh it's becoming another, you know, a neoliberal crap hole, and I don't, th- I don't see it, you know, uh, going back to normal. It's just the people and this, this general feeling of malaise and anomie, which I think we discussed the last time. It's everywhere. Like basically, nobody does anything. Nobody for every everybody does the the minimum amount of effort to follow any kind of rules. Not even in regards to work, like stealing. Like uh, I, any store I walk into, I first, you know, I started look, looking around and checking if there's going to be a flash mob or somebody's there, like picking up stuff and stuff. Now, because a lot of people, a lot of times these people are crazy. You know, when they're going to pull out a knife or a gun on you, they don't care. They'll shoot you. And for if the person is under eighteen, they will not even be prosecuted in DC. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's I think it's similar in San Francisco. You know, in New York. Um, I think they're still trying to, to keep a lid on it. And maintain it under control because of the embassies, and the, the, they they don't want to turn it into a complete zoo, um, because there's so much international coverage focused on Washington D.C. Um, but you know, if you're, you know, there was when I first came to the United States, there was certain area in D.C. that you did not go, just don't go there, right? Don't go even during the day, let alone after after dark. Did those days have returned? And now, basically, you can, you know, even downtown parts of the city. Um, which were bad in the late nineties when I came. Then they got gentrified. They got a really like high end, classy areas. Uh, and now, basically, after that nine o'clock or after dark, people just don't go out on the street. It can be mugged. You know, the kidnappings are, are on the rise. Um, they can they can be hit by a stray bullet. Um, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, um, but not much different than since the last. <laughs> spoke <laughs> it's almost like i think that's what i count that's what the powers that be accounting we're living through a collapse right now it's been going on for so long that people are just numb to it and mm-hmm. you know we don't think of it as a collapse because we think collapse is something else mm-hmm. but that's what collapse is it's little st- stuff around you breaking down all the time until the cumulative effect gets to a point where basically nothing works 
I don't know. I don't know how how soon we're going to reach that point, but uh, you know the stuff breaking down on a daily basis that that's definitely there. I wouldn't say it's accelerating, but it's you know on a steady basis it's there. It's not attenuating. So you're saying I should cancel my trip to DC? No, no, come to DC. <laughs> just just uh, I'm not sure there's much to see here. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not leaving my house for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Afraid of the deadly virus, <laughs> dude. I, I have something to get off my chest. Like I will fully admit, I have. PTSD from like 2020 and 2021. And, but I, I think that I would think, I think that's a good thing. You know, I don't know how yeah. you could operate in 2023 and not be scared out of your mind for what the future has come. And I, I understand how people will perceive what I'm saying, but I, I think if, if you are not scared for the future, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. Like if, if 2020 and 2021 didn't scare the shit out of you, and I don't know what to say. Like that, it's so uh, basically now we're like screw organize the panic. Just panic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I I've been living uh, in line with my fears of doing things about it. You know, and yeah. and somebody might say, oh yeah, it's easy for you to say you have land or whatever. But like, um, I was living in Airbnbs, bringing EcoFlow batteries and Nano card cases with me and stuff. And so like this opportunity kind of fell in my lap. But I was even living living consistently with my beliefs uh, when I was living from Airbnb to Airbnb. But um, again, I the founder of Intel said only the paranoid survive yeah. in business and in life. Well, very paranoid at the moment. <laughs> that's, that's the basic state of life. Another quote from Voltaire. They asked like, so, you know, how do you, how, how do you think a person, can, you know, should live their lives? He's like, it's not about what it should. It's about can. You can only live your life in two states, convulsive anxiety or lethargic boredom. And he said, Mo, I don't know of a single person who, who was in the latter state and lived past 50. So convulsive anxiety it is. It, it's, uh, I don't know if I said on this podcast before, but it's a little bit like triggering to me when people are acting like it's 2019 and 2023. And so I guess- no. No, I mean, like, I know people who are trying to do that, but basically, like, over over a drink or two, they'll admit that, you know, um, stuff is, is, like, surreally normal, but they, they've, the underlying, the, the baseline on which they were basing their assumptions of normality are no longer gone. I know people who, I mean, most of, like, most regular families in the in the states who have a mortgage whatever net worth they have assuming it's positive because i really have doubts about it i don't want to bring it up because they need to freak out assuming it's positive it's all tied to the house um and now they're saying basically like even the ones that are uh, they're just saying in dc that the that the ones that, that the people who have houses can afford to sell and the one who want to buy them can afford to buy um, so it's like both kind of groups are kind of waiting to see which group we're going to get screwed worse, but both agree that something big is coming and somebody will get really, scre really screwed. Uh, and I just, they, they want to see uh, who, who that will be. So, uh, you know, as usual, all the powers that we will play off the two groups against each other. They'll say the younger groups who basically like never had a chance. They lived through three once in a lifetime financial crisis over the last 20 years. Uh, they're the ones clamoring for debt jubilees and, you know, student loan forgiveness and, you know, steamy checks and whatnot. Um, and, and then basically the government saying or the powers will be saying, oh, look, look at the boomers. You know they got all the all, all the money is there. No, it isn't. <laughs> Whatever. Actually, two thirds I think of boomers have no retirement savings. Oh wow! And and by that I mean nothing. When I'm, when I'm talking about houses, because like that actually people who have a house right but don't have like a 401k their car is part of the one third that actually has something because they can do like a reverse mortgage and whatnot and now the commercials for that are really through the roof 
um, to actually, you know, have some money for retirement. Uh, no, two thirds of boomers have nothing. So really, it's like asking two people, one of them has $2, the other one want to fight over equality, while the person who has 100 walks away yeah. uh, and, che and cheering them from the side. Yeah. Yeah. And please don't misunderstand. I, I'm not saying to freak out about it and do nothing. It's just to, to, to try to do something or to orient yourself. I mean like weren't we talking about financial collapse stuff in like 2020 like ray had mentioned this on the podcast that they were going to get rid of legacy systems and all of that stuff is coming to fruition like no, no again I'm i not, think it was already uh, at that point was already uh, done and decided and implemented mm -hmm. i'm sorry there was already like passed as a law like the legal structure was already there they were ready to go forward with it uh, so now what we're actually seeing is is this stuff being rolled out into in real life and and slowly the public is being told uh, did we talk about the 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 EUMU, yeah, like yeah, the universal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So IMF, without any announcement in any other press, that <laughs> you would think that the rollout of universal digital central bank currency would be like I don't know the political economic event of the year, right? No, just a single, you know, press release, and it's like buried in the bottom. It says, "Hey, the D the DSCA, which is like the some kind of a digital." A group that it's kind of quasi IMF. Of course, it's it's a supranational, right? Unelected bureaucrats running things again, and we've decided to release the Universal Monetary Unit, which is a you know central bank digital currency to which all the other central banks around the world can hook up. But now it's up to them to decide how they can. They're presenting as if it's a choice. The, now all the other central banks get to decide, and through internal debates with the local population, how and when and what and 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 how to hook up to that basic to hook into that EUMU, right? Well, guess what? If 140 countries around the world are entirely dependent on their survival on IMF loans, do you think there will even be that there will even be any debate whether they adopt this or not? Of course they'll adopt it. No, it's it's a done deal. I think there was a comment on Zero Hedge and it was like 2023 was a bad year, worse than 2022, but not as bad as 2024. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <Yeah. laughs> well, at least the way things are going now, I mean, basically, uh, you know, th things are moving forward. But uh, again, I, I still think that, that that stuff will not come to fruition without um, without some kind of a major cataclysm. Um, and I, I still think the war will escalate because uh, um, uh, they actually tried. I don't know if you saw what happened in Nigeria. They they tried to roll out the digital currency and it didn't work. People just refused to use it. Now, because Nigeria is a massive country, but it's so poorly developed. Maybe in Nigeria people's daily lives really don't depend that much on, you know, they, they can, you know, they've been doing cash, right? But now the Bank of Nigeria is saying no more cash. You have like, I don't know, 48 hours to start using the digital equivalent. I forgot what the name of, of it was. And people still weren't using it, which means that either, they either went to barter or for whatever other reason, their lives, you know, went on without the need for of any currency. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, they're using stones or something else. <laughs> Stone currency or tokens. Uh, but, you know, they, they declared the project a failure and now they're regrouping and think of, of, of how to actually force the population to do it. So I, I think it it will probably be implemented, at least on paper, um, officially in the more developed countries like Western Europe, Canada, New Zealand. I don't think it will fly in the U.S. I think I think we're going to see a secession or, or actually, you know, a hot civil war um, before this thing gets implemented here. Or they can implement it and say, uh, throw a lot of incentives to people and basically we'll figure out, you know, what what percentage of the population really is that dumb and or desperate. Um, and that will be, a, you know, eventually probably a stimulus for, for a breakdown of the country, uh, you know, in a peaceful manner. That's probably the best way. 
Yeah, I know it's like beating a dead horse, but I think there's, like you said, there has to be some inciting incident that rallies yep. people on both sides, like a, gr- a group of people that's for it and a, pe- a group of people that's against it. And so they can argue about it. Then like, just like the vaccine, like that's exactly the playbook they did. They introduced it and uh, they, the problem um, re- reaction solution, like we haven't gotten to that point. So that's why, yep. you know, they're just priming people's consciousness for a CBDC but they're well, not. the word on the street here is that the, the 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 next the next thing on the you know on the agenda is the war with China, right? They're going to wrap up the thing with Ukraine. Both sides will declare victory. It's obvious that Russia won, or at least got what he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, NATO will probably continue to exist only on paper, but it's basically a paper tiger at this point. Um, the economy of Europe is is, is trashed. I don't think it can continue in its current state with uh, if it, all the gas has to be imported from the United States. Um, so fully vassal. Fully subordinated to the United States, so the rallying cry in the United States is, and it already is, let's let's take let's take on China, right? And then they're hoping that if that happens, basically, first of all, you'll justify, you know, for them saying, yeah, not a financial crisis because of the war, blah blah blah, CBDC, while also rallying both sides and saying, like, look. We don't like each other, you know. This guy has speedies, but wears a dress. You know, the other guy that likes to, I don't know, <laughs> likes to wear swastikas and I don't know, um, shoot people like in, you know, uh, in the dark if they have dark skin or whatnot. But we have a common enemy, so you know, let's rally around that because it's an existential threat. Um, I don't see what else would do it, or, or maybe war with Russia. But I, you know, just not seeing it because, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I think. The way the neocons are pushing things here is that is that the United States has more to win with a war with China than it does with a, with a war in Russia. If they can if they can handle China, then with the resources of China, then they can take on Russia, right? Um, and then you know they believe there will be a much easier victory. I don't know how you win against a nuclear superpower, but the, that's just me. And I think these people are delusional. But you know the at least the the the, the version that's been pr- promoted here in the local think tanks is that. China is the goal. Russia is just a distraction. Okay, we you know we tested our weapons, right? We saw what Russia can do, what it cannot do. Now we have a better idea of what, how good uh, of an opponent they would be. Let's go and take on China. You know, uh, cr- crush them, get there. You know, maybe, maybe we may lose a few aircraft carriers, but if we get their economic base, then with that reinvigorated United States and united, we're gonna go and take on Russia. If my investments uh, materialize, I'm going to build a bunker. <laughs> and then maybe we can do this podcast from that bunker, George. You don't need do to do a bunker in, in Mexico, man. I mean, you're closer to the equator. So if any nuclear war happens in the Northern Hemisphere, the people that are living closer to the North Pole, they're the ones that are screwed. But but what about, uh, I had seen multiple graphs of an EMP if it was dropped in the center of America, and it would affect central Mexico, allegedly. And so that's... Uh, Again, you, I, I you need a massive EMP to to affect such a large territory. I mean, like the to mimic a coronal mass ejection from the sun that will basically like cover. Uh, I think there was one in the eighties or something in Canada that mm-hmm. completely wiped out like the electrical electrical grid for like three days or something. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting what the event was, but like that, I don't think I don't think currently the human technology can replicate that. You have to drop now. Of course, nuclear weapons can generate an EMP. You need to nuke. <laughs> you have to nuke every country in Latin America probably to generate an EMP that that, that big. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have sound because this computer is not plugged in. But it, it, this is just one of the many little segments uh, recently on the news that are talking about uh, the power grid going down from white extremists. 
Okay. <laughs> this one's the funniest because the source is online chatter. <laughs> what other chatter is there? Like, so I, I thought like offline is long gone. <laughs> If you remember Bush, when he had these like color, color coded threat levels. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I remember he started this whole crap. And um, in one of the Michael Moore movies, uh, I think it was Fahrenheit, uh, oh. 9 No. Fahrenheit 9-11 or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. in which he said basically like he was ridiculing business. And he said, in the, in the end, he basically said he didn't even give any, stop, stop giving any reasons for raising the terror threat. Yeah. He just said that basically these people are hostile and, and the threat from them is ubiquitous at 24-7 and they're following the online chatter and online chatter is 24-7 and they're monitoring and for as long as it justifies, you know, raising the, the threat level, they'll keep raising it. I mean that we just saw that play out with the coronavirus stuff. It was complete mind control, manipulation, scare, scare tactic stuff. Um, uh, where do I want to go with this? I actually was watching a good video. It's by a girl named Alexandra. Um, I forgot her channel name, but she she was saying every group of people had different manipulation, mind control tactics. And so I was watching her video on '90s kids. Like, do you remember Ren and Stimpy? Like, uh, the the cartoon show. Like, do you, really. do you remember watching violent cartoons when you were younger? Like that, they, that they weren't uh, very popular in Bulgaria. I think like that's that's because Bulgaria only imported. It was poor country, so you can only buy the rights for like uh, very few things, like the Smurfs. I don't know, <laughs> like regular cartoons, Mickey Mouse, that kind of stuff. I'll link it in the show notes. But um, she was saying, I, I she, the, her video hit home for me because i remember growing up watching nickelodeon and like ultra violent cartoons that was just com completely the norm and she was saying it was a concentrated effort by the cia and intelligence like that link that i sent you it was kind of disappointing i thought they're gonna be you know a little they're gonna put a little more detail in there but um the, the, the basically the, everything that we've been seeing is art, quote unquote art is in fact uh, either most of it directly government funded propaganda yeah. against the Soviets. Uh, but then later on, basically uh, it, there's this very good line in the article says that basically like uh, for whatever reason, the powers that be in the, in the, in the States and the Western, the Western world were really afraid of Russian realism. So they wanted to replace it with something else. With they, they they wanted to replace it with abstract impressionism, and that was because when the the you know the plebs in the states start feeling you know you know that they're kind of like disenfranchised, poor, and whatnot, then you know basically the, through this art, people will be, uh, you know the powers will them like you have to ignore reality. You know, like it's not it's not the state, that's not the important stuff behind it. It's such such a much more important. And that's exactly what we're seeing now, are we? Saying like, hey, you cannot trust your senses. Whatever you see, it's not there. Unless an expert is interpreting it for you, it does not count. Yeah, that's there's a William Blake quote, like if you want to control people, you'll dilute the art. And that's exactly what the CIA That's exactly did. what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, whoever's whoever's been doing it. And if you look at this, this started in the early 20th century. And guess who started the Museum of Modern Art? Our friend, the Rockefellers. <laughs> well, Francis Stoner. We've talked about this with Ray. I thought the, she wrote a book called "The Cultural Cold War." Um, oh yeah, the, the the article that I sent you mentions the uh, Mighty Wurlitzer. I don't know yeah, who, yeah. who wrote that. Yeah. Um, Ray has a, has a, like an article that's like a plays on that, but there's an actual article, the CA's Mark Wurlitzer. Uh, and it's about art, basically like how CA controlled art around the world to, you know, to uh, further advance his propaganda. Yeah. The last thing we can move on. Uh, we don't have to talk about this at length, but have you ever heard of Fiona Barnett before? 
She was like a satanic ritual ritual uh, abuse survivor, and she's she's not saying things that I've never heard before. But the detail that she describes what happened is the most insane thing that I've ever heard in my entire. Well, life. another one basically say that all of these like crazy conspiracy theorists and nut jobs that are saying that these people sacrifice children or or chase them with Dobermans, like that that yes. sick fuck from yeah. Belgium, whatever it was. Oh yeah, that it's it's definitely there. That, well, she, I think she's actually the source of that. It was um, called the Teddy Bear Picnic or something, but she drew a photo, a picture of it. Of, of what exactly happened. And um, again, if you have a strong stomach, I'd, I'd watch her. She has like a, a documentary on her that's kind of hard to, it's not really pieced together that well, but the parts where she's describing what happened is mind-blowing. Absolutely cr the craziest stories I've ever heard. And this stuff is not like new to me either, but I was like, oh my God, that's like the, the, the stories are Absolutely. My only question is, how come all these people, all these survivors, they always have PTSD, they always know how evil these people are. How come we never get a random lone wolf attack oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. on these evil freaks? You know, <laughs> like the, the only time that somebody gets killed is somebody important and good and trying to change things for the better. <laughs> I have a theory about this. We're getting dangerously close to uh, FBI knocking on our doors, I think. Uh, <laughs> but I, I have a theory that if a rogue nutter was going to hurt like a, a senator or something like that. I think they would not tell anybody. Like uh, I, I think they would suppress that story to not give people like you're only oh, yeah, to not empower them because yes. if they knew how easy it was, uh, was it now was the president? I think it was Eisenhower who basically said like, well, how do you sleep all at night? Uh, was it Anzihar? Oh, no, Lyndon Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, after the Kennedy was killed, then Lyndon Johnson became president. And they said, well, how do you sleep all at night? You know, know that you know that you can get killed at any time. He's like, listen, let's be honest here. <laughs> With all the Secret Service and everything going on, all that it stands between me and death is a, is a, is a you know, uh, you know, uh, lonesome wolf uh, who is willing to part to exchange his life for mine. Yeah. That's all that it takes. You, um, you just always so, yeah. know it's MK Ultra type of stuff when somebody starts shooting up a mall. It's like, what the, the hell? Like, th these are your targets? Like, this is ridiculous. So, and I, now they not, don't want to release the manifesto of yeah. the transgender one that, that showed up at school, oh, like the, in the, the, that, uh, again, the Catholic I'm, one. I'm not an expert on that, but that seems really phony. Like, that she's wearing different shoes in different parts of the thing or something. Did you see that? Yeah, but also the manifesto. Basically, they're saying, like, they don't want to release it because she wrote a manifesto and mm -hmm. they're saying, it's so detailed, and there's so many things in there that can be used by somebody to wreak havoc, uh, <laughs> a lone wolf again, to wreak havoc on society that it's too dangerous for society to know. Mm. Uh, and the people on, on on 4chan are saying, no, somebody high and powerful is probably corn dog in this, this tranny, and they don't, <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't want to release that. Or maybe, you know, there's stuff in there that's basically uh, really exposes the, the, you know, certain communities within the United States that are uh, being used as you know being presented as victims while in reality they're they're not crazy yeah um on that note why don't we get into some <laughs> topics about pregnenolone move away from the fbi <laughs> yeah uh, and also we don't advocate violence on this show and so don't uh, ever hurt yourself oh no 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 <laughs> it was just pure curiosity how come it never happens <laughs> for people from the elite you know yeah. it's always somebody who's trying to change the system yeah 
Agreed. Uh, okay. Uh, what? I didn't go to your Twitter to check out which were the most popular. Which were you getting the most uh, chatter about? I can't actually see them like because oh, okay. like the screen the screen is split and then yours is also split. So it's like, oh, uh, okay. okay. So so the first thing I seen, the second one uh, is the oh yeah, I think the fasting exercise for uh, keto can promote cancer. I think that's a big one. Uh, I got a few hate mails because you know because of that one. It really talks about something that I wasn't aware that AMPK, which is really like the holy grail, if you go to any any health store or you talk to anybody who knows a little bit of biology and advocates exercise, low carbing, fasting, keto, whatnot, paleo, they'll tell you, you want to activate AMPK. AMPK gets activated when the energy levels drop and basically AMPK makes you be uh, really like, um, what should I call it, judicial with your calorie burning. In other words, it lowers your metabolic rate. It suppresses the oxidation of glucose and, and activates the oxidation of fats. So that alone should, right there should tell you basically that's not something you want to activate chronically, right? But then there's also the effect of it increases mitochondrial biogenesis. But if you look at those articles that are saying that are saying, well, that's because the body thinks that you are, you know, you're, you're low on energy, so you need to produce more. However, uh, even the Wikipedia page, if you look at the if you look at the Wikipedia page on APK, I think I, I included there's a link. Um, basically, it has a, an entire section on the role of AMPK in cancer. Uh, and as uh, consensus and as biased and as fraudulent as Wikipedia is, even the, that that section basically couldn't could not hide the fact that apparently the role of AMPK in cancer is well known. The only thing controversial so far, and the, I think the only reason it is controversial is that they still haven't let go of that whole genetic theory, the mutations first and then the, the metabolic arrangements after, right? Which is actually backwards now that we know. Uh, but they're saying like, oh, we, you know, it's controversial whether chronic activation of AMPK can cause cancer. We don't know. There's evidence, you know, for and against. But even these idiots there are agreeing that if there is a cancer present, AMPK is almost universally a tumor promoter. Basically, it makes it protects the cancer cells from the immune system. And because it increases their fatty acid oxidation, as we've discussed several times already, it basically uh, makes them into highly aggressive, hypometabolic, energetically depleted cells, which wreak havoc. Really, they're very good at latching onto other cells, eating up their mitochondria, as another study that I posted a few months ago demonstrated. Um, so if you want to get, if you have a dormant tumor, if you want to get it reactivated, and worse, if you want it to spread, you know, do low carb, do exhaustive exercise, do low, you know, do keto, do fasting, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that activates MPK is likely to make the situation worse if you already have, and that's that's agreed by mainstream medicine. If you already have a tumor, MPK is not, is not your friend. Uh, the only thing that remains to be proven, and I, not in my opinion, but, to, uh, you know, in mainstream medicine circles, is that, okay, what if you don't have a tumor yet? So can can chronic activation of AMPK get you into the cancer state? And if you look at, the, remember the article, maybe three months ago that I posted, it said fatty acid oxidation, the one metabolic ring to, like, bind them all. That made a very strong case with evidence saying that that is the first step. Any chronic disease starts with the suppression of oxidation of glucose, and, you know, subsequent increase of the oxidation of fat as through the rental cycle. There really, there's no other way. There's nothing else that a cell can do. As Ray said, the cell is not evil. It's just cannot overrule its environment. If that's, if you can only oxidize fat, fat or glucose and you're providing only one of those, then that's the only thing that the cell can do. The funniest thing about low carb folk is that they always use Otto Warburg to justify their ideas of not eating carbohydrate and i this was not even take me that long i can't remember what book of warburg's it was in 
But it said he never he, advocated against sugar. I don't no. know where this is coming from. Well, 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 he said in one point, uh, one of his books, even if it were possible to remove sugar from the body, yeah. the health yeah. of the tumor would not be threatened. Yeah. And uh, he did those experiments. Yeah. Like he actually saw it in vitro that that you cannot, because obviously when he saw that this is a metabolic arrangement, he tried to change it, right? And he said there is some kind of a defect, right, that basically uh, establishes aerobic glycolysis, mm -hmm. and then providing more oxygen, basically, or cutting off the glucose, which I, which we think, you know, at the time they were thought that basically that's the tumor promoter. Neither one of these things help. Mm -hmm. But but flooding the body with ketones, that's good right mm, yeah of course yeah it's going to increase your insulin sensitivity speaking of which remember when ray just before he passed like he said that basically there's some renewed interest in insulin resistance because if you're insulin resistant it should actually help you lose weight because insulin is the fat promoting hormone remember that yeah he would well, he occasionally... well the drug was empic uh -huh. Oh, yeah, Guess yeah. what it does? Yeah, it well. drastically increases your release of <laughs> insulin. So uh, in support of Ray and what others have been saying, you should really be loading up on those carbs <laughs> precisely because they're raising your insulin in the hope that eventually you may lose weight. Well, the other thing is people never talk about the positive things about insulin. So it clears the blood, free fatty acids, it helps convert yeah. T4 to T3. Yep. Uh, Stimulates the steroidogenesis, the steroidogenic cascade, the, the the transport of cholesterol into the inner mitochondria where it basically gets cleaved and converted to pregnenolone. That is also insulin dependent. And then they, uh, so again, maybe I'm talking. Oh, okay. uh, recent article, basically, like, again, 180 degree to the truth. Mm -hmm. Glucocorticoids were found to be inflammatory and actually promote the expression of the endotoxin receptor. And even the, the authors of that study said, um, well, maybe that's why corticoids were found universally to not help in sepsis. We've been giving them to people like for decades and, and actually these people have worse outcomes. Now we know why. Paradoxically, glucocorticoids, they, while they may dampen the immediate inflammation, they make it drastically more susceptible and actually more pr uh, productive for inflammation later on. The one study showed increased expression of TLR4, and another study for glucocorticoids showed increased expression of COX and LOX. So, yeah, while we're taking the corticoids, you may be suppressing the production of these endpoint inflammatory mediators, but the moment you stop, your rebound is going to come back with a vengeance. And they found, the second study found that, that actually insulin had the exact opposite effects of the glucocorticoids, decreased the endotox, their expression of the endotoxin receptor, and suppressed the expression of, of COX and LOX. Were you referring to a specific thing that you had written about, or is this something yes, that you... Yes, yeah, go, uh, go up in the search thing and, and search for glucocorticoid inflammation. Like on, on hayduck.me? Yeah, yeah. Glucocorticoid. Or cortisol inflammation. Just cortisol inflammation is probably easier. This is kind of synchronicitous because uh, probably like... Two articles. There should be two articles. Hey, there we go. We found them. Uh, this this one? All right. Yes, that's one of them. It says insulin, insulin blocks it. Yep, yeah, that's okay. one of them. Okay. And then there's a previous one. If you go back, that, that's the that's the more recent one. Uh, I actually I link I link in it from from that first one. Uh, the vitamin D one or this this one? No, no, the second one. Yeah. Okay. So if you click on that one, see, see, there's a glucose may increase uh, inflammation. Got it, got it, yeah. So these two articles combined show you, and actually the authors of the studies are saying, "Hey guys, I think we got it wrong. Like we should, we really should not be doling out glucocorticoids like candy yeah. to hospital patients because." Well, for once, they're immunosuppressant, right? And we all know that a leading cause of death in hospital is what? Inflammation. I infection. Got it. Okay. So clearly, you don't want to be 
immunosuppressed, you know, going to the hospital. And, and you know, a lot of people are already, right? They have lower, especially if you're diabetic or you have cancer or whatnot, if you're getting chemotherapy and radiation. But giving glucocorticoids will definitely make that worse, right? On top of that, somebody comes in with inflammation, unless it's really life-threatening, such as they cannot breathe, or they have such a massive edema that it's pressing on a vital organ or, or a blood vessel or something. But there are other ways to, to, to you know, to kind of help that. You know, glucocorticoids should be treated with extreme caution and only be reserved for situations where nothing else helps. And basically, the you know, the risk justifies the uh, the benefit. They're saying in this case, the benefits that we thought were there weren't. And in fact, you're incurring the so-called, what should you call it, inflammatory debt, right? Like you, you dampen inflammation for now, but then it really is coming back with a vengeance the moment you stop glucocorticoids. And we know you cannot administer them chronically because they're going to, you know, shred your muscles, shred, shred the skin, the organs, the bones and whatnot atrophy your brain, make you diabetic, right? All of these are known side effects of, of glucocorticoids. If you go to a doctor and the doctor gives you a medrol pack, which is a very common oral, I think it's like methyl pregnisolone, mm -hmm. or dexamethasone, which is a much more powerful one, still oral medication, glucocorticoid synthetics, both of them. They, If you look at the side effects and if you look at the black box warning, FDA makes no secret of that. Basically, they say it, it reads like this is poison. <laughs> Why on earth am I, am I being given these things, you know, to, to, to take as aspirin? You really should be taking aspirin instead. Yeah, that uh, I'm talking to at least three people right now that are all experiencing negative side effects from stopping those, and they've been on it for like ten years plus. Rebound, yeah. rebound inflammation without a doubt. Yeah. So, so the the cortisol and the analogs of that are breaking down the tissues, making sugar, and that's uh, having a, an anti-inflammatory effect, but at a exactly. great cost by breaking down a yeah. person's tissues, right? Yep. And then when you stop that, basically, like, you know, you, you the rebound inflammation increases, right? Mm -hmm. Now you've lost a lot of your muscle mass, so your basal metabolic rate is lower. Mm -hmm. That alone, actually, uh, uh, a study last year I posted said that inflammation really is a systemic thing. Uh, it may start in a specific tissue, but it actually looks like it's only manifested in the specific tissue. Mm -hmm. But just like uh, cancer, right? We should think of cancer as systemic disease. You may have, like, I don't know, liver cancer, but it really is whole body cancer that started in the liver because maybe that was the most energetic compromised organ. Mm. Anyways, the, that study showed that basically like if you have a, a chronic low-grade inflammation, you have a mitochondrial problem, period. Like no matter how you look at it, it, whether the inflammation caused the mitochondrial problem first or mitochondrial problem because they have a mitochondrial dysfunction, which means there's a lot of mitophagy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So a lot of mitochondrial debris will be in the bloodstream, which activates the exact same inflammatory cascade as endotoxin, mm -hmm. because all of these fragments that are floating around, the body interprets them just as the, you know, the fragments from endotoxin or viruses or bacteria, whatever, preserves to the intestine. So really, inflammation is a systemic, but more importantly, metabolic issue. Uh, and conversely, if you improve metabolism, uh, more often than not, inflammation tends to dampen. Um, I don't know how many people have emailed me saying, like, basically, like, look, I know I have a chronic inflammation. All of my inflammatory biomarkers are up. What can I do? Um, in maybe at least half of these cases, getting, like, going into a sauna or, like, drastically raising the body temperature for, like, even 30 minutes, like, up to, like, uh, I, I know I measure in Celsius to, like, a... Uh, about 40 degrees, which is considered like a moderately uh, severe fever, uh, really resolved a lot of their symptoms, especially like th things like uh, brain fog uh, or fatigue. Uh, so, uh, and, and I think the reason it does that is basically the immune system works best. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's optimal function is when the body temperature is above 99 degrees. Um, so basically, if you wanna, if you have like a long-standing inflammatory problem with some kind of a tissue damage that needs to get resolved, the the body temperature needs to rise for two reasons. One, it helps the immune system, but the way it helps the immune system is 
by stimulating the the basal metabolic rate, which arises when the when the when the ambient temperatures rise as well. Yeah, just make sure to drink juice at the same time. And and what you yes. said, local problems are made worse by systemic problems, and so that's and, and they feed off of each other because the local problem when you have tissue breakdown, all of these anything that gets anything intracellular that gets into your bloodstream, mm-hmm. of course that triggers the immune system, and that's really the whole thing behind this. With uh, what was the guy? Uh, the, morphos- the theory of morphostasis. Oh, uh, uh, Jamie Cunliffe. Jamie Cunliffe, yeah. That's really the whole thing, and that's and Ray's been uh, saying about this for years, is that that's really the sign that something's going on in the organ, and your immune system gets activated. Obviously, it's going to produce antibodies against the debris from that specific organ and tissue, mm-hmm. because that's how it gets stacked for removal, right? Otherwise, this thing floats around and becomes food for real bacteria and viruses. They're always there, right? And they really don't want that, because that's the way you get sepsis. So really, the autoimmune condition, the autoimmune symptoms, that's the price you're paying for not dying from sepsis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you suppress the immune system, if you suppress that reaction, if you look at the auto, all of the drugs, especially like the flagship drugs like Humira, go and look at the Humira side effects, sepsis and cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's what you get when you suppress your immune system. Okay, before we get too long-winded here, um, we should talk about ID Labs. So give us an update. What's new there? Ah. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't say much is going. Oh, we are um, a bit of a. I don't know if this is like a. You know, people want want to know about this or not, but like, uh, um, there's been there was a study done in, done in the 1960s, and they synthesized these anabolic steroids. They were several hundred times more potent than trembolone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really is, you know, if whoever, whoever is in the bodybuilding circle or has done athletics and is knows about steroids, knows the tremble is kind of like the king. Uh, you do not speak ill of Trembolone. It's scripture. And, and whatever's been invented to be, you know, more powerful than Trembolone is usually powerful only by like, you know, once or two, actually not even twice. It's all like in the same ballpark. Something that's several hundred times more potent than Trembolone, that, that study that, that developed these steroids, there are two OXA analogs of Trembolone. Uh, they thought that these steroids would be able to cure breast cancer for good. Um, so we managed to synthesize one of them uh, well, now we have to confirm the structure because really the synthesis has never been published. We don't even know if we have the right molecule as the as the, as the end product, and then we're going to test it for you know breast cancer, which is what these people proposed. So we'll see. Um, kind of like a you know interesting thing that I know a lot of bodybuilders are going to start emailing me saying, "Hey, can I get some juice?" What, was it the uh, recipe in a book called the Anarchist Cookbook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if we confirm that it's a steroid, we'll publish it in a peer-reviewed journal so it'll be like the synthesis will be public so, where did you find this recipe like it's just there's no recipe so okay. it's just a description of these steroids mm-hmm. what they look like their structure mm-hmm. and basically their in vivo effects on 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 their anabolic effects on mice and rats okay. and they found the basically the basically the anabolic effect so this means that i mean like if this is several hundred times more potent than trembolone which means this should have effects in humans in microgram amounts so okay. it'd be similar to like a t3 and, and, like a and how do they make trembolone? Is it that like a natural steroid that they modify, or how does yeah? That so the, I mean, if you look at trembolone, um, it's basically it's nendrolone, mm-hmm. which is exists naturally mm-hmm. with additional two double bond, double double bonds on position nine and position eleven. Mm-hmm. So really, so so basically, you can the another name for trembolone is nine eleven dehydronandrolone. Mm-hmm. So nandrolone is one double bond in position four. Um, and then the the trebolone is another additional two double bonds at nine and eleven. Got it. And then you take that, 
And basically, like, but they didn't describe how, but basically, like, the final steroid that really tested in vivo was two oxa trembolone is basically what we're looking at. Oh, yeah. The trembolone, but there's an oxygen atom on the ring A at a position two. And that would make it more, way more potent? Way more potent, uh, basically, like, uh, no, oh, no estrogenicity, very potent anti-estrogenicity, and no androgenicity, too, which will make it very interesting. I think that's why they propose it as a treatment for breast cancer, because uh, using androgenic steroids for breast cancer is known since the 60s. In fact, there's this uh, steroid called drostanolone, which is still approved by the FDA. But the reason, well, one reason, one reason they don't, they're not used as much uh, uh, anymore, uh, aside from the money aspect, of course, Big Pharma wants to sell its modern and improved, which means toxic and lethal drugs. <laughs> cough, cough, right? But uh, uh, they were, they're justifying it with the fact that, hey, no one wants to grow whiskers, you know, uh, by, give, by being given these androgenic steroids. Now, if this thing actually has these massive anabolic effects without uh, any androgenicity, you'll make it like a universal anti-catabolic steroid, kind of like progesterone, but without the, the, the progestogenicity in it. Got it, got it, got it. Um, and then a- anything else going on? Uh, we, we have a couple of studies going on uh, um, uh, I, I cancer have a sp- with cancer. Uh, specific with... qu- question. Somebody asked me, did you change the quinone recipe? They're saying it's a little bit more liquidy than previously. No? Well, th- there are two versions. One is with the olive oil and the, the other one is the SFA ester. So but, the SFA esters will be liquidy yeah, because it's one of the solvents is ethanol. Specifically talking about the, the olive oil version. No. Got it. No, this, Got it's, it. it's, all, it's always been the same. Straight, the only two ingredients are olive oil and vitamin K. Straight from the source. Uh, so I'm sorry, continue what you were saying before I interrupted. Oh, I'm saying you said anything else going on. I said like we were um, um, doing a few a few more cancer studies with animals. Mm-hmm. I added biotin to the recipe of B1 and B3 because uh, like I mentioned before, we managed to flatten the curve, but it didn't, it didn't you know, uh, regress the already existing tumors. So hopefully we can do that with biotin. So so that's the base there recipe. And now I'm going to try to improve. Um Anything else? Oh, we're getting closer to being uh, able to analyze neurotransmitters uh, in hair and nails. So I think that will be pretty interesting for people. We may be able to prove certain interesting correlations, such as you know, there's a lot of depressed people that are ready to send the samples, and uh, and a lot of them are not taking drugs. So now we're going to find out, you know, basically if serotonin is low or high in depression. I don't know if you've been seeing my Twitter wars with this guy, Doctor Palmer. No, no, tell uh, me about it. He's this well. Not he's he's not responding, but he's basically like um, for some, whatever reason, my Twitter like the, the timeline keeps showing me posts from this doctor. He's a Harvard doctor. <laughs> I think he's a neurologist. And he's he wrote a book that basically all mental disease is bioenergetic in origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's still dancing around. He's basically proposing keto diet to treat it, right? He's never mentioned serotonin or dopamine. He's just saying like, yeah, all mental disease seems like it's one disorder and it's all tied to brain energetics. So we shouldn't be addressing brain energetics, but but never mention serotonin. He keeps he kept making these posts. Um, bipolar disorder, depression, psychosis, blah, blah, blah. What's the common thing between all of them? And I respond, serotonin. <laughs> and then I listed all these articles. No response. Then a few days later, um, yeah, um, uh, uh, all of, the, you know, like we've known for a long time that, that antipsychotic drugs, which I use for schizophrenia, 
um, I actually can help for depression, anxiety, my parties are blah, blah, blah. What's the common thing between them? Like, stop ignoring it, serotonin. <laughs> and I gave all this, like, to study the serotonin upper or downer, yeah, which I think yeah. is a pretty decent review. I think the guy who published it is like, wasn't he like the chief of the APA or something? I don't know, but Paul Andrews, and uh, he was interviewed for the movie that's never going to come out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I don't know. And, um, but again, I'm I, I'm not very encouraged because it looks like even the bioenergetic movement in medicine has already is already being like kind of like subverted. Uh, they they're gonna steer it into whatever direction they want. They're still gonna propose the exact same things. This guy is proposing, of course, metformin and fasting and AMP, AMPK and all these other methods to you know to 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 improve uh, brain energetics. Um, don't don't so, forget Dr. Seyfried. He's the cancer guy about the, the bioenergetic approach, but he's like full on keto. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that molecule too, the oxyglucose, um, basically, like, uh, I think he, uh, he, he, he put, uh, mentioned in a couple of his articles. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, I mean, if you look at the, uh, even the Wikipedia article on two deoxyglucose says, look, that that's actually a remnant of the old approach, which is like let's starve the cancer of glucose, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We can produce the glucose from from you know from from other things, right? And we cannot block the oxidation of glucose because that means blocking glycolysis fully. If you do that, you'll cure cancer, but I I bet the patient will die first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, with, with fatty acid oxidation, we can actually block it. It has been done. People don't die. They may they may become hypoglycemic, but you simply give them more carbs, and that's the end of it. Uh, but that second part, you know, nobody talks about. Uh, it's it's except in like isolated studies. Which uh, the good thing is because I I keep checking their like uh, H index rank and like basically how popular they are. At least the researcher community is, is starting to pay more attention. Uh, probably because things are desperate. Basically, nothing's working. Um, and uh, you know, uh, the probably the best testament to that is that. Do you see the recent approval that the FDA did for the Alzheimer's drug? No. Basically, the results were so abysmal, they had to massage the data three times and resubmit it three times. And eventually, six out of the 10 advisors at the FDA, like the advisory board, I think, uh, the majority of them ruled against it. They forced two of them to resign just so they can get a quorum and approve it to actually to treat Alzheimer's. Completely, I mean, completely fraudulent drug. Uh, so that that's where we're at. And I think the situation is not, is not much different in cancer treatment. Well, hopefully, I mean, thankfully, you're out there changing heart hearts and minds with all your. No, I'm just aggravating people, and I think that's the way it should be done. What was who was the guy who said people will agree with you only if they already agree with you? <laughs> the rest is you should stir war, conflict, and then that's what because behind the scenes, you know, unless you're completely insane. Um, I think behind the scenes, pe- people, of course, are gonna you know put up a fight just to keep safe face, right? But behind the scenes, I think most reasonable people will be like. Okay, I mean it's as usual. The truth is probably somewhere in between, right? Um, and and basically, if even one percent of what the bioenergetic group—not this guy Palmer and the others—I don't consider them part. I think they're they're Trojan horses actually. But if one percent of what the bioenergetic group is saying, then that this is what we're being given right now by medicine is not simply uh, inept; it's actually fraudulent and homicidal. Like people should be going to jail for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I th- those people have been around for such a long period of time. It's not too disturbing to me. It'd be more disturbing if somebody was like. This Ray Pete was a genius, and then they went on to start advocating keto and stuff like that, like to really dilute what he was talking about, you know. And, there there uh, have been attempts for, like that to present on the forum. I don't know if you've noticed. 
Well, well, we, we were talking about we, that. We've which, had agents like that on the oh, forum, I, and I think no doubt. I think the forum admin made a very good decision. I think maybe two years ago to stop accepting new members, or at least very, very doing like very good filtering of whether they're going to contribute or not. I think the damage, I mean, I'm, the I'm not against done. debate, but <laughs> when somebody comes along and it's obviously hostile and trying to like, you know, is it called shit posting? So like. Everybody is open to criticism, right? But if you open to criticism in a way that basically really plays into people's fears and you provide no solution, right? Then I don't, I'm not sure criticism has much of a value. It's just, it's FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt. And and we don't need that, okay? If you're going to do FUD, then propose a solution, no matter how ridiculous it is. Um, and then, and the other thing is, at least make, the, that's how I know that some people are simply being subversive. There's like, when you're trying to post a new thread, the related articles feature in the forum. I mean, we'll present at least 20 on the topic and it's pretty good at like pointing out things that are contrary to you, but they're related to the topic, right? Somebody wants to argue in favor of keto. There will be like at least 20 articles underneath saying like keto causes cancer, keto does this, keto does that. Read them, right? And then try to present or at least put a disclaimer saying, hey, here's my thing. Yes, I know there are all these other articles. Show that at least you've read them, right? But in the overwhelming majority of the cases, that's not what I see. It's just a low low level effort, um, or uh, you know, to basically uh, disrupt the community without really without really contributing anything. And to me, that that is a hallmark of either a, a, a government operative or basically people who are just you know up to no good. I don't know why. I mean, but there are people like that. They don't have to necessarily work for the government. They just uh, derive pleasure from destroying other people's hard work. Just gonna recuse myself from this conversation. <laughs> you know, I could ask you about another article, but I did ask for some questions. These so these are not tell me what to do questions. So you tell me if these are okay. But um, are you, are you read some of these real fast and tell me I if they're okay. I, I see one of them is about Tyromax, but uh, I don't I don't see okay. the others. Well, like I the, I, I, I split. Oh, let me just read some of these too, and we can edit this out if uh, it's no good. But um. Uh, Ren says, how to shift philosophy of chronic sick person from fix my problems for me or tell me one quick, easy thing to fix all my problems to them investing in experimentation, reflectiveness, and personal responsibility? Well, I think they need to, they need to do something. I don't know what, I don't know what that would be, but to break out of the learned helplessness. Even if, if it happens once, I've seen miraculous changes in people. It's difficult to sit there and lecture somebody and tell them like, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z. I think we've all been there. Realize that that's not how things are. They, they don't want to hear this. They, they get defensive, right? Um, so uh, I don't know. Sometimes usually a, a drastic change in environment helps a lot. Like going, going like, uh, it doesn't have, even have to be a vacation. Simply changing the current environment where you are uh, you may think that you're going to carry your problems with you when you go to a different place, but that's not how that's not how the mind works. You will carry some of them, but you'll be forced to adapt to the new reality. And if the new reality is even slightly less oppressive than your current one, I've seen miracles happen overnight. Um, it, other than that, basically, like, I don't know, um, meeting new people, uh, you know, with a drastically different perspective um, or at least culture uh, than yours. Uh, simply, it all comes down to basically like shifting yourself as far away as possible from your current mindset, um, which, you know, even if you have, you may have the best intentions of being there, right? Fighting whatever is around you. But, you know, if things are not working and you repeatedly, they call it repeated defeat in social, in the social research with animals. Eventually, that's a very good way to induce learned helplessness. Uh, repeated, basically failed attempts, especially if they're, if the stress is unpredictable. So unpredictable stress combined with your res responses to this unpredictable stress failing 
that's a very good way to to get into learn helplessness and really you know you need a break from the life in that in that environment right now and we'll wrap it up after these i know it's late um so and the one ad thing i would add to that is uh i think it was young who said maybe it was maslow who said What's necessary to change a person's mind is the awareness of themselves. And so sometimes when somebody's pressuring me on a phone call to like solve their problem, I'll start asking them more questions about themselves. <laughs> so I'll like ask like, uh, what was your digestion? Like, what is your sleep like? And, and a lot of the times you'll see how, how dysfunctional so many different areas of their life is. Um, and then it's like, it makes the problem bigger than maybe they think it is, or they're asking you for a quick fix. And I think as they talk about it, they realize like, oh, so many things are off here, you know, and maybe, yeah. maybe there's a bigger problem. But also you're yourself plus your circumstances. So I think the changing of an environment, that's really yeah. what you're doing because like sometimes you're working very hard in yourself, but in the presence of oppressive circumstances. And by the way, even that guy, the Spanish philosopher, mm -hmm. even he said, but the 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 inherent purpose of the organism is to be free and rebel. Mm. The inherent purpose of the environment is to be oppressive. So so you know we know it will be oppressive, but change it into a different environment that will be oppressive in a different way, so that you can actually look at the old problems with a new eye and try to solve them. Okay. Uh, thanks for that, Ren. We'll get through these last three. Uh, what do you and Georgie think about the best path is for youth navigating the digital age, assuming the online work and interaction will be necessary? Uh, in the current state, I will stay as far away as possible from social media. Uh, I'm firmly convinced, and I've been following this for a very long time, that sites like, specifically, I'm giving an example of Reddit, they're a large-scale PSYOP, and there are people working there, and we know they're working because there have been uh, documents released on the FOIA request and whatnot. The stuff that gets on the front page of Reddit is not there by accident. It has nothing to do with what people voted for. It is there to, if you look at the page, it's, you can always, and over the last couple of years I've noticed, you always see a couple of pieces of violence. You'll see a couple of pieces that are completely disgusting. You'll see something that deeply challenges your very like basic fundamental beliefs about reality. Really like the goal is to kind of like destroy your firm grip on reality and start to question yourself, even your sanity or even reality. Everything that you see on the front page of Reddit, and I've noticed this on Facebook feed as well. Uh, they're saying like it tries to adapt to yourself, but I've seen the exact same themes pop up on many different other people's Facebook feeds. So it's not just related to me. Um, there's research published on that too. Uh, basically, a lot of people like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the over the last couple of months, a lot of prominent psychologists, psychologists have come out on TV and said, social media destroy mental health. We need a solution. And, you know, the only solution, the short-term solution is to use less of it. Of course, they're, they have like the ulterior motives to push something else, right? But, you know, that is true. That's based on research showing that directly that basically the content that's presented is very, very deliberately picked up uh, and it's, uh, it's curated in a way to really make you go berserk. There's no there's no better way to describe it. And it's very deliberate. There's nothing random there. The enemy does not give free publicity to anybody or anything unless it helps the cause. So stay away from social media. If you can find like-minded people, usually happens on like more niche forums, like the one that we're using, or like it doesn't have to be that one. Uh, anything that can base where you can find people that are uh, contrarian but not negating uh, is probably the the word that I would you know, the, the the closest thing that I can come to describing it. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, well, first of all, 
these people, uh, the first thing I look for is open-mindedness. If there's no open-mindedness, then I don't even care if these people are friendly. Over time, I know when I get to a point where basically they're going to regurgitate the same thing over and over again. I don't, it's a waste of time. And to me, actually, it's dangerous, more dangerous than a hostile person, because at least my guard with the other person will be up and I can actually respond. And really, it's kind of stimulating in a sense. But with this person who is basically just sitting there and doing nothing and saying nothing, well, a lot of stuff is coming out of their mind, but doesn't make uh, a lot of them out, but it doesn't make much sense. Uh, it's not aggravating you, but it's not contributing. It's not challenging. It's not contributing to your to your spiritual growth. It's not you're wasting your time. Basically, uh, you need to be away from such people. So f- try to find semi like minded people, uh, not yes men definitely, uh, but not negators either. Um, and you know, just interact with them. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to have the same interest as you. Uh, just open-mindedness and general interest in uh, supporting life and fighting, you know, de- fighting for defending life against this technocratic nightmare, which if it gets implemented, there'll be no place to hide. Make no mistake about it. I'd only recommend using truth social. Uh, what do you think about that, George? True social? <laughs> that's the Trump's uh, social media platform. Are you being sarcastic? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's very sarcastic. Um, yeah, Gap or like whatever. <laughs> no, look. Centralized. Uh, 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 not, don't know how many people have been using, have been following the search engine evolutions. Uh, after Google and Bing and Yahoo turned out to be complete crap, mm-hmm. completely compromised, and now people are actually aware of the very poor quality of Google and mm-hmm. even Google being the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, some some alternative search engines started to prop up. Uh, DuckDuckGo, Moji, I don't know, uh, Brave and, and whatnot. Index little by little, every single one of these is kind of being brought in line, yeah. being brought, curled in, and kind of told, listen, now you're making, because all of these, the search engine business runs on advertisement. If you want to make money from advertisement, you will do as the establishment says, or you will go bankrupt. Mm. They will sue you. They will not give you ads, ad money, right? They'll find a way, Okay. You know, they will find a way to crush you. DuckDuckGo is fully compromised at this point. Um, I think maybe, like, <laughs> I don't want to advocate. The movie. They say they're, I'm doing Russian propaganda. Uh, uh, the Yandex search engine uh, seems to be every giving fairly unbiased results in regards to U.S. political matters. I don't know about the other stuff, right? But again, if you want to know what's going on in, in U.S. politics, you have better chance finding out by using a Russian search engine searching for these topics than you do any of the American search engines. All of them so far that I've discovered are biased and censored in, in sometimes very subtle ways. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, keep an open mind. Read news about the world, but from different sources, uh, preferably foreign and, you know, sometimes preferably from the enemy, if you consider them even to be the enemy. Uh, what, was this, what was that expression? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Well, you've got no friends in these days. <laughs> so the only thing that remains is to keep your enemies close. <laughs> the, the only thing I'd add to that is uh, if I could do life over again, I think I would have tried to encourage my younger self to get into the trades or something more physical. Like, yeah. uh, and, I, and I think that would Practical have... and analog. Yeah. Stay, stay away from the digital culture. It's really... Uh, the Unabomber Manifesto is a very good read. If you can keep you a distance from some of his more extreme propositions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think internet theology, internet politics, and then internet nutrition to me are like the biggest waste of time. I can't negate them completely because I'm not ashamed of who I am. And I, uh, but like th- those are such toxic things for a young male to pour themselves into. And they'll, they won't provide anything much later. They'll just rob you of your vitality, I think. But um, yeah, 
anything that's large scale and basically delivers information supported by advertisement is by definition compromised, mm-hmm. by definition toxic, and in the long run will do absolutely no benefit to you. It probably just poison your mind further and, and, and you know, drive you down into learn helplessness. Not that things are not there about right now, but it never presents solution. Even if even if even if they're theoretical, it never even mentions them. That's how bad things are with censorship. Uh, even people that I know that are working in the IT field, even they didn't realize how bad things are until I gave them 10 different search engines and said, okay, search for this exact same topic on the different search engines. Let's see what comes up. And now you read the articles. By the way, I'm finding sometimes, not always, that Google, depending on how you access the article, if it's through Google News, sometimes Google will actually present you a version of the article that is modified. It's not the, the same as the article that's appearing on the original website. Oh. Yeah, that's to me. That's like that's the ultimate. This means this. I don't know. Uh, of course, Google can do it because even though it's, I guess, it's plagiarism because they're kind of presenting it as their own, like they're injecting things there. Mm-hmm. At the very least, it's, it's. I'm not sure if it's illegal, but it's definitely not kosher, right? Mm-hmm. You're presenting things written by journalist X, but two, three paragraphs, or maybe even most of it, it's actually rephrased and actually written by Google oh. or its algorithms. That's uh, yeah, and that's definitely happening. Yeah. So you can only see that by using different search engines and access media from different parts of the world. Yeah. But in general, anything large scale and popular, I would stay from it. Uh, stay away from it, unless it comes down to discovering like uh, controversial content. Um, sometimes it helps, you know, if you feel like you need to pick me up. You want to see what the masses are all about. But again, even that doesn't mean that that's what the masses would like. Uh, very often the stuff that we present to you, it will be controversial, but it's not what it's really on the on, on other people's minds. It's just what they want to be on your mind. Got it. Two more, then I'll let you go, Georgie. Uh, update on Tyromax and NDT suppliers. Uh, so the Tyromax, we're expecting a new batch of the powder to come in around June 10th. So hopefully by June 10th, we'll have it back in stock. Okay, last one. Ray and Hayden disagree on the effectiveness of topical pregnenolone. Ray says, Ray says it's basically useless. Hayden says it raises levels even more than oral. Um, it's I, not true. Ray never said it's useless. He said that that he thinks that a, such a high dose will be needed to actually produce similar effects that he doesn't think that a liquid formulation is feasible simply because pregnenolone has such a poor solubility um, uh, in, in virtually anything. Like the only thing that you can dissolve pregnenolone well in, and I don't advocate doing that, is chloroform. Uh, the only solvent you can, and you can dissolve pregnenolone in chloroform in a concentration about the same as progesterone. So you can have a progestin chloroform, but with pregnenolone, don't do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anything else, pregnenolone is really it's notorious for not being able to dissolve almost, almost anything. However, um, uh, if you want to try it, um, basically, you don't have to dissolve pregnenolone. You just mix it to make emulsion with any kind of a oil of safe origin, like olive oil, coconut oil, butter, any, anything that's used. It doesn't have to be dissolved. just have to be emulsified, like well stirred, right? And apply on the skin and rub. It absorbs remarkably well. It may take some time, but you will feel the effects, and they're different than the effects on progesterone. They're unmistakable, and you don't have to apply on the scrotum. I know a lot of people do that. You don't have to. And actually, really very small doses, actually, uh, have profound cognitive effects, at least for me. Um, Pregnenolone is supposed to be stimulating. At least that's what a lot of the researcher says. I think that applies only to large doses taken orally, mostly because they, when you take it orally in large doses, it converts to, converts to something called pregnenolone sulfate, 
which acts as a GABA antagonist. So it will do a little pick-me-up. It's uh, The effect is similar to caffeine. But when you actually apply it through the skin, the sulfatase enzyme is not expressed in the skin very much. So you're going to get most of the pregnenol absorbed as pregnenol or actually converted into downstream metabolites. So it works very well as, as a, you know, kind of like, I don't want, well, maybe not allowed. If there was a safe hormone replacement therapy, transdermal, uh, that will work for both males and females. And if they only they have to take one thing, right? I will take pregnenolone. I think it works really well. It, it will convert to androgens if needed for the males. It will convert to progesterone if needed for females. Uh, and it will balance the hormones. Uh, plenty of, by the way, plenty of feedback on that on the bodybuilding forums. If you look, even though those products that have been sold there are terrible, uh, even those absorb. And and uh, a lot of a lot of times, if you search for pregnenolone bodybuilding, you will see people posting the blood results, and they're unmistakable. Now, whether you believe those results or not, it's a different story. But uh, you know, there uh, there's, there's there's plenty of feedback there. Last thing on this wasn't re- like when I used to buy Beyond the Century pregnenolone. They maybe in like 2013, they marketed it it as 99.9 percent pure. And then around 2014 or so, Health Natura, which was another big producer, they they sent an email to everybody saying, hey, everybody, now we used to have 99.9% pure, but now it's 99.7% pure. And then now, years later, if you go to their website, now they're selling 99.3% pure pregnenolone. And I thought Ray was saying that, hey, real pregnenolone is astronomically expensive to make. It's like beyond the reach of an average person because so you'd be paying hundreds of dollars for a gram of it. Yeah. And uh, and then he was saying because of the impurities in it, it would have things that were like estrogen. And so that, that kind of jives with people I talk to that use the powders and they tend to have kind of wild effects from it. And it seems like it's not like on paper, pregnenolone should never cause a person to have like mania. But people have told me they'll take some and they'll feel like out of control of their thoughts. So I have a I have a cheap, dirty version for cleaning other pregnenolone that I think works really well. These estrogenic metabolites of pregnenolone, they're mostly into the estrain fractions, which means uh, steroids that basically have the uh, carbon-18 core, which estradiol and estrona are. Uh, these, these steroids exert their effects in microgram amounts. Uh, so if you're willing to lose, let's say, 5% of your pregnenolone powder, or like like take a spoon of pregnenolone, put it in a glass, and then and then they fill it up. With, let's say Everclear or even isopropyl alcohol, and, and and heat it up a little bit and stir, and then basically some of the pregnenolone will dissolve. But because the estrogenic fractions and the other metabolites are there in much smaller amounts, virtually all of them will dissolve in this very large amount of liquid. Pregnenolone has very poor solubility, right? Remember, so you're going to be dissolving mostly the additional things that are there other than pregnenolone of steroidal origin, which we're assuming that, you know, basically the steroid fraction is there, uh, the estrogenic fraction is there. And then you take that liquid while still hot and you pour the liquid out and, and the, the pregnenolone powder remains, right? So some of the pregnenolone will dissolve in the alcohol and you'll throw it out, but it won't be a big amount simply because pregnenolone is so poorly soluble. But vast majority, if not all of the other stuff that's bad for you should dissolve and then you pour it out and then you're going to have, you can do this several times to basically purify it completely, depending on how much pregnenolone you want to lose. It's not a big amount. Basically, I think each each process like that loses maybe about 2 to 3% of the powder that you put in. So you do it a couple of times, you lose 10%, but then you have like a triple distilled pregnenolone. Uh, and I've tried that 
Um, it does have slightly different effects. I wouldn't call it groundbreaking, but it does have slightly different effects, which tells me that Ray was on the right track. Um, so you can try that. I mean, if you if you're afraid, if you, especially if it's giving an allergic reaction, because estrogen actually is known to trigger the allergic reaction. Um, and, and if you're getting any kind of a rash from like the pregnenolone, if, especially if it's pure powder in butter and olive oil and you apply on the skin, it gives you rash. Chances are there's it's something in the pregnenolone as an excipient, either a contaminant of some sort or one of these estrogenic metabolites that's causing this. So you can eliminate that uh, through the this George's distillation method. <laughs> so we have the uh, Bulgarian beef burger and now we have your distillation, Bulgarian distillation pregnenolone method. Yeah, the 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 the, the pregnenolone Smirnoff. Yeah, it's triple the still, right? <laughs> okay, with that, uh, we'll close out the show. Uh, DannyRoddy.substack.com. So many people have been supporting, uh, subscribing to monthly subscriptions on here. I really appreciate it, guys. That really helps out. Um, and then I do coaching on patreon.com slash Danny Roddy, and there are a few spots open. Uh, so idlabsdc.com, that's Georgie's supplement company. Uh, Georgie, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Sorry about the mishap on the time. That's completely my fault. Uh, no problem. I really appreciate you. Couldn't do these without you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. And we have an amazing audience. And thank you guys so much. And we'll see you guys soon. Peace out, everybody.